well? Yes. Uh, as you already know, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Vine Church Hall. Uh, back in September, we started a series on, well, back in September, it's September. This September, we started a series on kingdom builders. This is all about what it means to be a kingdom builder. What are the principles of a great life? I think it's fair to say that there's elements to everyone's life here that can make us have a great life. It might be be kind to people. It might be to enjoy family life. Or it might be work hard and then go on holidays. It may be to give something to someone else who's less fortunate than you. Or even go on a spa or even eat some chocolate. And these things do, in some way, make us have a good life. However, as people who believe and follow Jesus, there is more to the life than we can see we believe. And that's why we are builders of God's kingdom. You might be asking the question, what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? I think the most important thing I could say about the kingdom would be that it is the reign of God on earth. It's not a realm, it's not, it's not a set of people, but it's the reign of God. The kingdom of God is not something physical, something tangible, but this is what the Bible says. Hebrews 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is God here with us. The kingdom is a kingdom of restoration, of righteousness, of joy, of life, of hope, and peace. And if I was to go around this room, I expect that many of us would say, I would like to go on a spa, I would like to go and eat some chocolate, but we would also say, I would like some more peace in my life. I, I would like hope, I would like joy, I want to enjoy life. And often, there's much in our lives that would suck our joy. Our lives are filled with more stress in our busy lives and workplaces. And we feel that we're just striving instead of thriving to live. Dave Gawler, he spoke last week, and he, he spoke on legacy. And he, he uh, quoted a Christian sociologist, Tony Campello. And Tony Campello did a research with the people's age group of 90 plus. He gathered a load of people, and he said, what are the things that you wish you did differently in the past 90 years of your life? And they all, the top three were this. We wish we risked more, spent more time in reflection, and wish we left a legacy. This morning, I want to speak to you upon the subject of supernatural living. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You might have it on your smartphone. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to get a Bible from the back. And if you don't have a Bible at home, you're welcome to take one of those home uh, for free. But John chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
John chapter 3. So I, I wonder what comes into your mind as I say the words supernatural living. What comes into your mind? Maybe you think it's like a horror film. Maybe it's something that sounds weird. I'm happy just to get on with my life. Maybe it sounds like miracles, something miraculous, or maybe something different. But I want you to come on this journey with me over the next 20, 25 minutes of let's explore together what supernatural living means. So, John chapter 3. We have this guy called John. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He also wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. The book of John was the second to last book to be penned. So John wrote Revelation, and just before then, he, uh, he wrote John. So John had this perfect uh, uh, perspective that he's seen everything that's been outplayed. He's seen the letters poor sense, and he's seen the other Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Everything's been done, and he's penned this letter, to, uh, this letter, this Gospel together. And it's a great thing because John is so different compared to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke is more like a biography. They're trying to tell the story of Jesus. They talk about the birth of Jesus and many things of Jesus' life. Where John is more like a CV. He, bit, he picks out the best bits of Jesus' life and he writes it down for mainly the Jews in that time. So, John chapter 3, verse 1. Now... There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by the night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That what is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7. Do not marvel at that I said to you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things. So this is the story. We have this guy called Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we, we, we believe he's around about 77 years old. And Nicodemus, he grew up for the last 77 years old as a good little Jewish boy and grew older. And he would have learned the scriptures. He would have learned the Torah, the first five books of the Bible as a good Jew. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Thankfully, I got them right. 
But he would have not just learnt those. He would have learnt the 613 laws that we find in the Old Testament. He would have known them off by heart. And not just the 613 laws. The Jews, they have another book. And it's about 2,000 laws in that book. And he would have known those off by heart. And he's not just a good Jewish boy. He's actually the teacher of, uh, of Israel. He's the chief rabbi. So he would be up, uh, like me, uh, on many occasions, speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of people, teaching them, do this, don't do that. Follow this law, don't do that. You know, it says this law. He would have known the 613 laws in the Bible, in the Old Testament, off by heart. And just to let you know, here are some of the laws. That there is a special order of how to put your shoes on according to uh, the Jewish law. We, we put on the right shoe on, and then on our left, and then we tie the left shoe before tying the right one. Uh, shoes that don't need to be tied are fastened right before the left. He would have known that law, that which way the shoes go round. Another one, when cutting our nails, we don't cut the nails on two consecutive digits, one after the other. Rather, we skip every other one and then go back. So he know the law that you cut one, you cut the next one, you cut the next one, then you go back and do the vice. He would have known these laws and, and teach them. Uh, lastly, another one. It was forbidden for a Jewish person to do work on the Sabbath. So if it was a really hot day in here uh, and someone who was non-Jewish came in, uh, he could turn the air condition on and the Jews could enjoy it. But the Jews cannot enjoy, uh, turn on the air condition to enjoy it. Uh, some of these laws, you know, we could say they're just weird and out there. But that's what they did and that's what they followed. And these Jews, and specifically Nicodemus, he knew all these laws. He was the one that would be teaching them, do this, do that, don't do that, do this, this is the law, this is where it says. And then there was another 2,000 of them, uh, over 2,000 of them, that he would be teaching. So there's this man, Nicodemus, the chief of all Pharisees, the teacher of Israel. And he says, it says in John chapter 3, he came by night to Jesus. I find this really interesting because there was something he was intrigued about Jesus, but he didn't want everyone else to see. If you're going to speak to someone when you don't want anyone else to see, you're going to do it in the quiet. And I think this is what the text was uh, alluding to that by night he wanted to talk to Jesus but as the chief Pharisee as the as the main guy who's the teacher of Israel can I really be seen talking to Jesus at this moment in time the Pharisees believed that Jesus was a rebel he'd gone too far he was brought up a Jew and now his teachings are too much they believed that he was a massive rebel so to go to Jesus is to go to someone he shouldn't have gone but he goes to Jesus and he says, he says this, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God and no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is so confused by this. He's saying, one is born again? I have to enter my mother's womb again? How is that possible? It's like, 
Is he really thinking that he's got to enter his mother's womb? Surely he's not that stupid, Miss Kuma. But he doesn't understand. And then Jesus goes on to say, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he, can, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And there's, there's many things of what, what does that truly mean? But what the book of whole book of John is saying, you've got to believe in Jesus to enter the kingdom of God. And that's what the whole book of John is about. And that is what it's about in a nutshell. Uh, there's two guys, and they used to go, to, well, they used to go to Harvard University. And their names are Christopher and Daniel. Over a decade ago, they, they did an experiment. Some of you may have seen this experiment. It was a phenomenon on YouTube. Millions and millions. It's top there at the top of the list of most watched videos. And the experiment was this. He got a group of people together, and he gave a proportion of them some white T-shirts. And then he gave them a basketball. And he said, uh, pass the basketball between the white T-shirts, and sometimes don't pass them to the white T-shirts. And then he got a group of other people, and he said, you watch this. Count how many passes. Some of you might be thinking you know what it is now. Count how many passes happen between the white T-shirts from pass to pass. And in the middle of this one-minute clip, it's a one-minute clip, for seven seconds, there's this person, a lady, dressed as a gorilla. She comes in, she taps her, her chest, walks back on, it lasts seven seconds of a one-minute clip. And so these people are watching this. They were counting the passes, one, two, three, four. And then the gorilla came in, and then he went off. Afterwards, the people didn't care who were doing the experiment. They didn't care how many passes were taken, they said, did you see the gorilla? Over 50% said they never saw the gorilla of a seven-second clip. Uh, have you seen the video? Yeah. And this is what they put it down to. This was inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness is the failure to notice something in your field of vision because you are forced to see something else. Inattentional blindness. You are, it's a failure to notice something in your field of vision because you are forced to see something else. In this case, they were so focused on the people passing the ball between white t-shirt to white t-shirt, they did not see the gorilla. And it's hard to comprehend, how can you not see a gorilla of seven seconds just when people are playing basketball? It seems bit, but it's called inattentional blindness. Nicodemus, he had this inattentional blindness. You know, Nicodemus, he was the one that was so focused upon the laws. Do this, do that. Live this way, don't do that. Do this, do that. That he didn't see the one that he was waiting for in terms of Jesus. The Jewish people have been waiting for Messiah. They've been waiting for a king. That he came to them, Jesus, and they didn't see him. Nicodemus didn't see him. Nicodemus would have seen all the miracles. They would have, he would have heard about Jesus. He would, have, he would have done everything of that. Still, he missed him. There's an old saying, isn't there? And the old saying goes like this. Can you see the wood from the trees? Can you see the wood from the trees? And I want to ask you this question this morning. And the question is this. 
Have you been so focused on life that you haven't seen the real purpose and meaning of life? Have you been so focused on life that you haven't seen the real purpose and meaning of life? Or maybe this morning you believe in Jesus, but still you've been so focused on doing life, being life, and you forget the very reason of your life in Jesus. This is the thing, right? Nicodemus, he was so focused on doing life. He was so focused on doing what he's been doing for 77 years. He didn't see the man that he's been waiting for. He didn't see Jesus. He didn't notice this guy. He heard about Jesus. He'd seen miracles, but he didn't notice. See, in the four Gospels that I explained earlier, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 34 recorded miracles. And that does not include when it says Jesus healed many that day. But these are the specific miracles. There's 34 recorded, uh, individual recordings of miracles. And Jesus' life was synonymous with miracles. He turned water into a wine at a wedding. He healed the sick. He healed a blind man with mud. He, he took five loaves and two fishes and, and fed 15, over 15,000 people that day. His life was synonymous with miracles. There's this, there's this guy, and his name is Josephus. He's a first century Roman Jewish scholar. Here he is. Has anyone ever heard of him? Some of you might have. Basically, he didn't believe in Jesus. But he was a scholar, and he would write book after book after book. He was a historian. And, and this is what he says. At this time, there was a wise man called Jesus. His conduct was good. He was known to be uh, virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. Those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he appeared to them after the crucifixion that he was alive. According to, accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets had recounted wonders. This is what Josephus, he says that there was a guy called Jesus. He didn't believe in this guy in terms of that he was the son of God, but he says that he walked this earth, that Pontius Pilate killed him, on, uh, uh, sentenced him to be dead, dead on the cross, and that apparently his disciples said he rose again. So he's saying that actually this is all true. And this is a historian, uh, not in the Bible, but a text from first century A.D. I wonder if you've ever said to yourself, that is, so, that's, or something's happened that is out of this world. Something that is crazy. Something that doesn't make sense. Something that shouldn't have happened. This plus this doesn't equal this. A crazy stunt. How did that person get better? That They shouldn't be alive. Like for me, a, a man in faith, I just don't get it. I can't comprehend how a man could go up in space. Or in, to, to be honest, I can't even comprehend how an airplane stays up in the sky. Uh, my intelligence doesn't go that far. I just don't get it. Or there's a guy called Nick Wallander, I think his name is. He's a, he's a, he's a U.S. Daredevil. Have you, have you seen him or heard of him before? But he, write, he writes, he walks tightrope. And he's done the Grand Canyon. He's done from side cave to skyscraper without any 
proper harness. He just walks there with his pole. I would say that he is out of this world. He is crazy. Uh, and I expect most of us would say. And it's Joel's dedication today. And without going to too much detail, how a baby grows is out of this world. How a, something's in the womb and then it gets a heart and then it gets, you know, lungs and feet and toenails and all this. And this all happens before the 12-week period. Personally, that blows my mind. You know, I don't know how it happens, but I know it happens. Some things just don't make sense. Our minds just can't fathom what has happened. Some things just don't feel are just not natural. See, this is a problem with humanity. We want to understand things. We want to make things uh, logical. We want to say, oh, I get how that happened. And if we don't understand it, if we don't get it, we say to ourselves, it's fake. It's fake. It's impossible. There's no way that could happen. And we dismiss it. We say, that can't happen. That cannot be true. I, I remember when I was at uh, Moreland College, which is a university, uh, a Bible university, and I had a friend called Dave Heskin. And I know this guy for, well, I knew this guy for the last eight, nine years, or even longer actually, ten years now. And this guy, he, wa he was a great guy. He was a pretty small guy. To everyone's small to me, aren't they? But he's a pretty small guy, and he's quite, he's got, he, I call him a tank. He's quite, you know, he's quite butch. He's quite muscular. And this guy, when he was younger, he had a problem uh, with growing. He had a problem with growing. So he was, he was on a lot of steroids for his growing. But because of that, he, that's the reason why he was a tank, because the steroids built him up. And he was on a lot of inhalers for his, his lungs. When I say a lot, he had a massive box of inhalers. He would, I, 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 I stayed with him in halls uh, for the first year, and I would see that he would take inhalers, uh, about three or four um, inhalers throughout the whole every day. And then when he came to sport, like playing football, he would take one before the match, during the match, and after the match. This guy was constantly drugged on inhalers because his lungs uh, didn't work that well because he, he had a growth problem when he was younger and he was put on steroids. And this, anyway... Time went on, and me and Dave and someone else, uh, we go to this music event run by Bethel Church in Southampton. We go there, there's some songs, and then this guy does a talk, and he says, I, want, I feel like God wants to heal people with asthma, with bad lungs. And we think at this place, you know, probably about a thousand people there, we think probably a lot of people have got asthma. So a lot of people did go forward. And the guy just said a simple prayer in terms of, I pray that asthma will go in Jesus' name. How, as that happened, he said, I really feel that you should run around the room. So Dave Heskin runs around the room. And I know Dave Heskin. I know him that he couldn't do that without his inhalers or taking them before or after. He didn't have any inhalers on them in him. He ran around the room and he hasn't used an inhaler ever since. That was about eight, nine years ago. This is, I don't understand how that happened, but I knew Dave Heskin before. I, I, I played football with him week after week. I saw him take his inhalers. I, I, I lived with him in halls for the first year. I saw him take his inhalers. I don't understand how God healed him, but I know for the last nine years, he has never, ever taken an inhaler ever since. I don't get it how God does that. I don't get how miracles happen, the miraculous happens. It's just not natural, but what I do know, it happens. It happens. See, Jesus lived this supernatural life. And we see 
throughout the whole of the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus lived a supernatural life. And as people who believe and follow Jesus, we are not meant to settle for what we see and what we know. We're not meant to be like Nicodemus. You might think, I'm not Nicodemus. I don't follow 613 laws. But I wonder if you're like Nicodemus because you've settled for what you do every day in, out, uh, day in, out, in, out, whatever. You know what I mean. But you, we settle for it. We settle for what we know. Nicodemus didn't expect his whole life to be turned around when he met with Jesus. But his whole life was turned around. Jesus didn't say, well done, Nicodemus. You've been following the laws. You've got it right. 613 of them. He didn't say, I couldn't remember them, but you did. You know, he didn't say that. But he said, to enter the kingdom of God is about believing in me. We're so used to doing life that often we forget about God, who is a supernatural being, who's a supernatural person, who does miracles, who does the unexpected. And it's so easy to settle for second best life. Kingdom builders live a supernatural life, focused on Jesus, not living by rules and regulations, not by distractions. And, and just to talking about distractions, I want to do a quick survey. How many people in this room have Facebook? Come on. So probably, I don't know, 80 to 90% of people. How many of us would say we go on it every day? Good proportion. How many of us say we go on it for more than 30 minutes a day? Oh, so less. And it, 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 some of you are lying, I expect, as well. Um, <laughs> come on, we all know. I didn't mean in one block. You know, when you wake up, you go on it for 10 minutes, you go to bed for 10 minutes throughout the day, when you should be working another 10 minutes, etc., etc. Uh, but in 2016, uh, Facebook, this is Facebook, did an experiment, uh, did a, a survey, sorry, two years ago. And they surveyed that the average person, this is 2016, spends 50 minutes a day. I reckon it's more now. And if it's not Facebook, it's Instagram, it's YouTube, etc., etc. 50 minutes a day on Facebook. If you just do your maths, that's about six hours a week. Uh, if you're on Facebook right now, get off it. Um, just let go. That's about six hours a week. That works out about 23 hours a month. Over a year, that's 303 hours a year. Let's just take 303 hours for a moment. That's 12 and a half whole days of your life in a year gone on Facebook. If you average the I said it's more. Uh, and if, if, say if the average person lives to 76, but say Facebook's around for the next 10 years and it's the next big thing. Uh, next 10 years, you're on Facebook for 50 minutes a day. That's 3,033 hours, uh, which is equivalent to 126 days of your life as a distraction on Facebook. You know, I'm on Facebook, love Facebook, but it can be a distraction for things and better and bigger things in our lives. Facebook is it, I, I like Facebook, but I recognize it can be a distraction. And there are distractions that will stop us living a full life in Jesus, following Jesus, but also living a supernatural life. How many times have we been on our phone and instead of seeing an opportunity, we can talk about the guy called Jesus? We're on the bus, we're on Facebook instead of saying, Gee, Jesus, do you want me to talk to anyone? Do you want me to, you know, what, what, what's next? What are you saying to me? You might be asking the question, how do we live a supernatural life? 
what I think is about listening and looking for, uh, listening to God and looking for opportunities. Listening and looking for opportunities. It's about having a life empowered by his spirit. See, Nicodemus, he didn't expect, uh, he didn't expect uh, to, to see Jesus and to know Jesus. 77 years of his life. And he missed out. He missed out. And it's about listening, looking to God for opportunities to pray for someone, to see miracles, to expect the unexpected. Yes, are we going to understand it all? Am I going to understand why and how Dave Heston got healed that day? No, I don't get it. But I know it has happened. And we as a church can believe to see more people healed. We can believe to see lives transformed, but it's us living a life that is supernatural. And this, this morning, is in many ways a, a rally call, a rally call to say, actually, we can be like Jesus. We can live like Jesus, see lives change, see miracles. But it's about living a supernatural life. If we go on our mundane like Nicodemus and live a natural life, you know, I get up at 6.30 or whatever time you get up. I get up at 6.30, I brush my teeth, I wash my face, I go and have breakfast. This isn't my life, by the way. But I, I get up and then I, I go to work, come home from work. I, I'm, I make dinner, I put the kids to bed. I'm tired, so I just stay in. And I do that six, five, six days a week. And then it's Sunday and then it's this and then it's this. And we are becoming like Nicodemus. We are like Nicodemus more than we believe because we've lived by a routine ward and we're not allowing God, his spirit, the person of God, lead us for a supernatural life to see bigger and better things. When Jesus left this world, he said that you will see greater things. You will see more things. He didn't mean he did, when he said greater things, he didn't mean great, greater than he did. He saw someone raised from the dead. But what he meant was, now you are living by the Spirit, you're going to see so much more. Because it isn't one person anymore, it's God living in us. And actually, we can see more. I want to leave you with this question. What is your life about? What is your life about? What drives your life? What motivates your life? What gets you out of bed in the morning? There's a passage which goes on from this, uh, chapter 3, and it's verse 16. And it, it's, it's a so-called famous Christian passage uh, as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but inherit eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but inherit eternal life. For God so loved us so much that he sent his only son to this earth. And on this earth, Jesus, he lived a life. He ate food. He spent time with his family. He spent time with his friends. Things that we do. But at the same time, he prayed for the sick. He spoke to the the, the woman at the well. He did miracles, 15,000 people fed with five loaves of fish. So he did the same things we are doing, but he led a spiritual, a supernatural life and saw the kingdom of God on this earth. And then while he did that, on when he was 33 years old, he got sent to death by Pontius Pilate uh, because they said he was a rebel, stirring up things. This was untrue. They didn't really have anything to go by. But he still got sent to death. And on that cross, 
as he, uh, as he died, uh, which was a, a common way for people to be sent to death that time. But he was an innocent man. They even writ on his cross, he is the king of the Jews, because they knew who he really was. And as he died on that cross, he, he took upon us um, what the Bible calls sin, but it's our mistakes, the things that we get wrong. And then, as, as, as it's written, that we, he rose to life so that we could have life in all its fullness. So today, we could know that we have eternal life. You might be saying to me, well, this God business, I don't get it. It's too big. Can I be honest with you? I don't get everything as well. I don't understand how Jesus was raised from the grave. I know it's by the Holy Spirit, but I don't get it, the ins and the outs, the buts and the ifs. You know, I don't understand. Don't understand how Dave Heston got healed. Don't get it. But I do know it's God. And I do believe it. I do believe it. We are not called to live by rules and regulations like Nicodemus. We're not even called to live a natural life, but we're called to live a supernatural life, constantly being led by him, seeing the miraculous outplayed in our lives. I want us to respond. And we're going to sing a couple of songs now. And this is a great opportunity. As we sing the songs, you might uh, want to sing the songs. You might want to think about uh, what has been spoken about this morning, about God, about Jesus. Or you might want some prayer. And we're going to have an opportunity for prayer over the next 10 minutes. And there'll be some people at the back, the prayer ministry team. And if you want some prayer, it might be that something's happened at work. It might be, I want to I live a more supernatural life, see God's kingdom, see more miracles, see opportunities. We would love to pray with you. You know, we are happy to pray with you, whatever it might be. Um, so let's stand and I'll pray for us as we sing. Father God, I thank you that, uh, that Jesus lives, that Jesus, he, is, uh, um, um, he does miracles. And I thank you that uh, for many testimonies across this room, stories of miracles. But I believe that there is more. And I pray that you would help us to live a supernatural life. Not settle for the mundane of natural life. But, but to, to live a life where we see you do great and marvelous things. Father, things that we don't fully understand. How did God do that? But I know he's done it. Father, and I pray for opportunities this week. opportunities to see your kingdom on earth. Use us for your kingdom's sake, we pray. Father God, I thank you for your love. Thank you you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you that you are the one that has paid the ultimate price of your life so that we could fully have life. 